The Start On Demand. On demand. What are the red flags of an abusive relationship? Where do you turn if you are in an abusive relationship? Today we'll conclude the four-part global news series on domestic violence with reporter Amber McGookin on this all-too-important conversation. There's an amazing event happening at St. Paul's College called the Winnipeg International Storytelling Festival, and we'll meet one of these incredible storytellers. Big Daddy Taz joins us to tell us about Comedy Aces, an event he's hosting on Sunday for the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, and I've got a spoiler-free review of Avengers Endgame. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, April 26th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and uh, guys, I'll apologize ahead of time. Uh, Seems like I have my head in the clouds today. It's because I do. (laughs) Why? It's still sinking in. The end game, Avengers end game, I saw it last night. I'll have a review at 7.37, but uh, it's taking me some time to digest what I witnessed last night. But because it was so good? Yes. Yeah. It, because it was good and because of what it means to me as a fan, as a comic book fan, as a fan of the movies, a fan of all of these characters. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little little distracted You're today. not alone, I don't think. I, I was amazed at how many people within my own circle, too. I woke up this morning, and you're just checking your social media feeds and different folks that posted that they had gone to the movie, and everyone from moms to kids to you, right? Like, all these different parts of society just raving about it. Like, and with like not with expletives, but with, like, so good. Well, nobody like, wants to. all these O's in there, right? Like, it wasn't like people were swearing with excitement, just couldn't find the words like so 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 good I want people are being so respectful they don't want to to tip off anybody sure. as to what happens it's different than when you're celebrating a, a loss or or a, a victory of your sports team yeah everybody knows what happened yeah. the night before everybody's trying to be so respectful and to make sure that there are no spoilers involved and you know I always make the analogy to the sports the equivalent of probably the number of people who would go to a sold-out Blue Bombers game are going to see this movie in Winnipeg this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there actually is a, there's a hashtag, don't spoil the end game, that was started by the, the brothers because, the, the the directors of the Russo brothers, because I guess some of the footage leaked. Oh, no. Oh, so come they, on. They put out this letter saying, you please know, don't, we, yeah. we love our fans. But right. Please, be aware like, this is out there. Yeah, and please don't spoil this, just as you don't want to be spoiled. Of course. And, and even when I read some reviews, I made the mistake of reading a review And I promise my review at 737 will be spoiler-free, but I started reading one review, and it didn't give away major spoilers, but it, 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 it gave away some plot details that would have surprised me and would have been more emotional had I not known going in. So I don't understand why so many critics feel the need, this need to kind of give you a full right. plot synopsis. Like, right. you don't have to tell me what the movie is, tell me what you thought of it. Or felt. Yeah. Or, you know, emotions, or all those things are really good. To, you could, you know what we should just do is just fire out like totally insane things like that episode of The Office where rumors started going around and then he started just making up Michael Scott rumors about everybody to hide the one truth that was. So we could just say like 12 people die and there's 400 explosions and someone's <laughs> pregnant and 
I don't know. What else could we throw in there? Yeah, I, I just don't understand people who have this compulsion to ruin things for others just because they've already experienced them. I think it's super selfish. It's very narcissistic. And I can't wait for your review because I personally can't wait to see this movie either, but not to the point where I was going to wait in line or not that you have to do that. Even digitally wait in line. I'll wait for the cri- crowds to die down just a tiny bit. And where would I have fallen in? I see you. I, I, I We've been working together long enough now, Brett. <laughs> I know you're looking for the question of the day from yesterday, correct? Yeah, that's what I was doing because I have to log in and then I, you get like this security code sent to your phone and that's why I have to check my text message. So the results from yesterday morning's question of the day, when are you going to see Avengers Endgame? And 78% said, I'm not, nerds. Yeah, I don't <laughs> believe 78% of the population is not seeing this movie. Yeah. I don't buy that number one bit. Sixteen percent say I'll wait until things calm down. Three uh, percent said this weekend, and two percent said tonight. But uh, that it was playing on like five screens last night just at Polo Park. I right. don't know how many theaters showed it last night, and they were all either sold out or near sold out. So, uh, yeah, there are going to be a lot of people seeing this movie. There are theaters that are running this movie twenty four hours a day. What really? This like people are going Not at in three Winnipeg, in the morning? I don't think. But around North America, movie theaters are are trying to capitalize on this and take advantage and and know people will go and see this movie in the middle of the night. I I think a lot of people would do that. And I think it's different with a three-hour film than it might be with something that runs 90 minutes or something. Can I take my kids to this? How old are your kids again? Six and eight. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, if anyone's out there who watched it who has children, let me know. Yeah. Not because I, but you you might say yes, and then you don't want me to, like, phone you up afterwards and be like, what? Have, how many of you, these movies have your kids seen? I don't know. I don't know any of them. Yeah. So if, if, <laughs> Not I, the best I, place to start. I wouldn't recommend just starting with this one. But it, it has some pretty serious stuff. Some of the stuff could be seen as being maybe a little too scary or intense for the yeah. littlest kids. But or too evolved, your boys, maybe. Greg, I know, would dig it. So oh, I can't wait. Here's the headline. People share five jobs they've had on Twitter to take the edge off career stress. And Greg, this is one that you spotted likely when you were on Twitter because I, I actually, do you have just like a sort of a radio hookup that goes straight to your brain? Sometimes. With Twitter? Sometimes. Greg is addicted to the Twitter. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's just become such a good place to call, consolidate news and get a, you know, just take 90 seconds, scroll through, and you can generally get a 90 seconds. very good sense of what's going on in the world. Well, and then you end up getting hooked on something. I do like two one-hour sessions after work. Is that what you do? After my nap and right before bed, and it's just driving me nuts. You're on very Twitter good on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> what's, wow. your, what's your handle, uh, Bron? Because you're a good follow. You're a solid oh, follow. Uh, if you, you don't search know. Jeff Braun and <laughs> find a picture of a guy that looks like... Actually, I think it's Jeff B. Braun with two Bs. Jeff B. Braun. That's right. Yeah. It's Extra B is for... Jeff B. B. Braun. That's not helpful either. Jeff B. Braun. And I'm, I'm deleting it off my phone along with Facebook right after work today until... Sunday afternoon when I see the Avengers. Oh, oh good, wow. good plan. Shall You're not be going to that extent to make sure that I you will, don't find anything I out. will accidentally click on something or wow. see something I don't want to see. So, yeah, better 
safe than sorry. Well, I promise the review at 737 will be spoiler-free because I want to follow the hashtag, don't spoil the end game that was put out by the filmmakers. But five jobs. Greg, how do you narrow it down to five? Uh, I had a hard time. Obviously, the first job a lot of us had was Paperboy. It's on my list. My first one was in grade four. I delivered the Brandon Chopper, 356 papers every Wednesday. Holy smokes. That's a lot. For about four years. How old were you? I was in grade four so when you were I started eight, that. Nine? Nine, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, I would have been eight because I didn't turn nine until May of grade four, I yeah. would think. So that's I a lot that. for a nine year old to carry. Uh, I think I, he's just reminding us his birthday's coming up. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one, too. Uh, I had one of those old lady shopping carts. That we found actually when we moved into our house, it was like a gift from God. And I would stack them in there and there we go. Uh, I was an assistant lackey key grip, to use movie terminology, on a framing crew for a couple of summers. I loved that job, learning how to build things with my uncle and my cousins. And then, well, the restaurant business, I did everything from busboy to dishwasher, parking lot attendant at Fingers Restaurant to eventually owning my own restaurant and everything in between. I was a milkman for three at three different points in my life over summer holidays and then for longer stints a couple different times and I've been a sales rep uh, a couple different times as well. So Yeah, and the, the whole point of, the point of this is that you know there's a preconceived notion that it's impossible to change careers once you've started on a particular track, but Twitter is telling us otherwise as this trend has been caught on quite hot by people tweeting about the five jobs they've had throughout their lives. Jeff Braun uh, like yeah, Greg said, I was also a paper boy. I had much fewer papers to deliver. I think I, I think it was about like twenty five or thirty. What paper daily. in Altona? Uh, Free Press. Oh, I thought yeah. it would be like the Altona Daily. No, it, it's a weekly. And oh, weekly. You just Sorry. pick it up at the post office. I think yeah. back in the day. Uh, I also did a couple of check bangle type jobs at a book factory and a car wash. Just general help. Just what, what did you call? It? What was that word? Check bangle. It's low German Mennonite word that. Means just uh, general help, just whatever they need, I would go do it. Jeff, can you do this? Yeah. I can like a handyman. Like yeah, yeah, A shack bangle? I would not want to get into the nitty-gritty of the pronunciation because uh, okay. I'm sure I got it wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you. There's probably no real spelling for it either. Uh, I also did a year as an electronic appliance repair man, ma- okay. fixing uh, microwaves and coffee makers and electric shavers and the like. And then here the last 20 years plus. Wow. That's five. Loren? Is it only five? I think that's about it, yeah. Yeah, it's what I think the point of this is kind of neat because when you start making the list, you realize you've done more than you thought or maybe less, depending on how it goes. <laughs> but I've worked for Global or Chorus for the last 20 years and uh, or coming up on 20. And so but before that, I did a series of different jobs, waitressing in a def- bunch of different places over different years. I worked at a deli um, and made all sorts of different baked goods and that kind of thing, which was super fun. Uh, I had the worst job, summer job ever, doing data entry once, like where I had to punch in. It was at an agriculture company and I just had to load things into the computer. And that's when I started drinking coffee because I fell asleep at the computer one day <laughs> oh and word. I looked up and I could get this tab of my shoulder and the screen is filled with like a billion S's. Like I fall asleep <laughs> on the S key and it's just like a stream of S's and he's like, are you done? And I was like, oh, I need to start drinking coffee. Uh, I, ran, I ran day camps one summer and I also uh, worked for my dad at his, uh, it's in Minnedosa, it's called Minegro and it's an agriculture company. And I worked on the farm with him as well, but I just wasn't really handy at anything. So it was also another job I was bad at. People would come in and say like, 
do you have a 90 degrees hose barb joint? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> and they'd just look at me and my dad would be like, oh, God, you're not helping. Not. He's like, Loren, aisle four? I'd be like, aisle four. And I just stood there all day doing that kind of thing. So I know that business. I know that. I know the aisle four as well. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine you being no, super No, I wasn't good at it. I, was fun. I think it was fun. I loved it. I loved running the fork. I got to run a forklift to move, like, seat around, but wasn't good at any of it. Forte? Me, I don't even think I had five jobs. I think this is number four for me. But well, uh, what, what have you got? I, I used... super cute. I keep forgetting how young Forte is. Come you on. scooped ice cream at one point, didn't you? No, yeah. I made pizzas. Nice. Where? Where? At Little Caesars. Mm. Yeah, I used to uh, flip the dough and make the dough, make the pizzas. Actually, I quite enjoyed that. That was my uh, through high school and just after high school. So uh, that's what I did there. And then uh, before I worked here, I worked two jobs. Uh, one was at Toys R Us. Fun. No, I I didn't really like it, but uh, <laughs> teach their own. And I also worked at a beer vendor, which actually I did quite like. Those. <laughs> Different kind <laughs> of toys. All really good jobs: pizza, beer, and toys. Staff yeah. discount on any of those things? Oh, on the pizza for sure. Absolutely. Not on the beer, unfortunately. Not on the beer. That's awesome. Not on the beer. Not on the beer. Oh man, that's what about too bad. What you, McGarry? Well, I uh, I worked in food service tw- in two places. One place was Wendy's, where I worked exactly one three-hour shift because I was fifty. <laughs> years old so they uh i went so I, I applied for the job and got it and then when i got there the general manager was there and she says well you're not even 16 you need a work permit so you got to fill this out but i'll let you work this shift and then you got to fill out the work permit and then bring it back and we'll send it in or whatever so i did that and but they just didn't bother to file it i never came back um that one was scary because it was my first real job but i ended up working a couple months later at taco bell the very first taco bell in winnipeg at 1536 regent avenue which is now a credit union and i was there for almost six years and i actually worked with hal anderson's wife jackie at taco bell um and she there were many times where i drove her crazy because i was awful in the kitchen just terrible they would always put me on front cash because i was useless in the kitchen why were you so bad yeah i I just couldn't i couldn't remember what went you know what went on this four ingredients like in a taco there are more than that and there's different combinations I just couldn't remember what, how much it was. It was the portions, like how much is it? A half ounce or a quarter ounce? Well, don't they have squirt guns? Isn't like one well, not squirt? for shredded lettuce. <laughs> don't those things come pre-made from the some factory somewhere? No, yeah, I've no, never no. been to Taco Bell. I know that stress. I worked at a chicken joint once, and you had to like with a with the fried chicken, and it's a big steamer. It's a huge contraption, and it's terrifying. Every time it went off, I got all sweaty. Like, oh god, chicken's ready. <laughs> like, now what do I do? I felt like it was going to explode every day. But I was I love doing front cash, and uh, I I did it so often. They made me a name tag that said Cashman Brett, and <laughs> some of some of my friends still called me the Cashman. But we start this hour by what we started talking about this week, Loren McNabb. That's domestic violence and the grip it holds over thousands of Manitobans and their families. A lot of it is kind of like, it's not obvious. Things, they start off small. Like, you know, why are you wearing makeup today? Who are you looking good for? Things like that, you know? And it kind of progresses up to bigger things. It's like walking on eggshells, basically. You know, you never know when it's going to be like the other shoe's going to drop and things are going to get bad. So that was Jessica, and we disguised her voice to protect her identity. She said she lost count of the number of times her partner hurt, hurt her, but she did eventually get out of that relationship. And that's why she wanted to share her story in hopes of helping someone else who might be 
in an abusive relationship, which is where we want to take the conversation today. So we learned this week that domestic violence is the number one reason police are called out and that the number of cases are so high in this province that there's actually a courtroom dedicated solely to the issue. So now we're speaking to counselors today who work with abuse victims, and they say it's not always about violence, that there can be other red flags, like a partner who is possessive, someone who teases or bullies, someone who's sexually demanding, makes all the decisions, keeps you from family or friends, or is just really controlling. Jara Fraser is a counselor with Clinic and says, most importantly, it's about something not feeling right. And if you're in a relationship where it doesn't feel right, go talk to someone. There's a lot of shame surrounding, um, you know, the experience of of going through um, any kind of gendered violence, any kind of abuse uh, dynamic. People in our lives don't always understand it either, so it can be really challenging to reach out to get the supports that we need. Um, It can also be a really challenging experience to make sense of and can take a lot of time to process and unpack, Um, especially when we think about what's modeled to us in terms of what violence looks like. There's usually an element of of physicality, so when that isn't there, it can be really challenging to name. especially because there's all these other parts of the relationship that don't feel abusive, that make it a really complicated experience, a really complicated decision. Um, Sometimes what we see in in abuse dynamics um, is this experience of not trusting self anymore and not trusting your own experience. So, So that's just another layer of, you know, is what what I'm experiencing really abuse. Frazier also says the challenges uh, that abusive relationships aren't 100% bad behavior the entire time. There can also be feelings of safety or nostalgia that people can get lost in the fact that at one point the relationship may have been good. That can make leaving an abusive relationship hard. So can fear. Willow Place is just one shelter in Winnipeg working to get women and children out of an abusive relationship. Executive Director Marcy Wood says they help 800 people per year. The planning um, for some people, it they plan out their leaving over a course of a year or years um, or months. And in other situations, it gets to the point where it's just not safe for them to be there anymore and they flee. And typically that would be um, the women that we see in our shelters, that, that they just, it's not safe any longer and they need to find an, a, a safe place to go. Amber McGookin is the global TV reporter that's been working extremely hard in this series. And so we're going to talk with her more after nine about where you can turn if you're in this situation, if you are looking for help. We, of course, got more information on our website, cgob.com or globalnews.ca. But, you know, she she visited, I think she said, Willow Place uh, to take a look at it. And uh, I think that day she went... It was full. There was one room empty. So it's an exa- another example of what, what a horrifying example in some way of the problem that we've got in this province, but also the good that's being done to try to help so many families. Off the air earlier this week, I think I relayed to you, to my friends here, Brett and Loren, off air. I'll share it with you now. I'll never forget the day that I got a phone call from one of my best friends. It was about 25 years ago. And he said, um, I just called your brother. I need uh, you guys here in an hour. We have four hours to get my mom out of the house. Wow. And um, it's something that sticks with me to this very day. The the fear of what happens if a certain person comes home 
in the middle of this, but also the realization of being so close to someone for as long as I had been and not realize what was going on in their life and that a phone call like that could come. And fortunately, we're in a position to help out. Not everybody has that. Not everyone has that network. So if you're in a situation like that, please reach out, try and find somebody that can help you get out of that um, and, and I always am concerned about this, Loren. I say this about our mental health services. There may be only one day, one moment in one day where someone has enough strength to say, I, I feel strong. Yeah, today's the day I'm going to get out of this. If they get a busy signal or they get a voicemail or other sort of closed door, that that opportunity may fade and it may fade for a long time or forever. I was thinking about your friend and the, that feeling of, uh, fear you have for your own family member, and then also the relief he might have been feeling that day, knowing that he was going to be able to help his mom and get her out, right? No like question. finally that mom's leaving. Holy, we have four hours before this turns really ugly. We want to redirect our focus to the series that we've been running this week on Global News. Yeah, and we've learned a lot, I think, this week about domestic violence in our city and province. Uh, one of the facts that still startles me is that domestic is the number one reason why Winnipeg police are called out. It's also a high number that has created a situation where we have a courtroom dedicated solely to the issue of domestic abuse in this province. But counselors who work with victims and survivors say it's not always about violence, that there can be other red flags. And that's where we want to turn our conversation today to the signs to look for perhaps in your own relationship or or with a friend or family member who might be struggling in an abusive relationship and places you can also turn to for help. Global's Amber McGugan has been working on this series for us all week and joins us now. Good morning, Amber. Good morning. It's an important way to, I think, to cap things off because we've heard from listeners this morning who've struggled in relationships that are abusive. I know you've spoken to many, many people about their own situations and the desire to get out, but not always knowing how or, or what to even look for. So let's maybe let's start with some of those red flags. What are you hearing from the experts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole list on our website, cgob.com, but just for us now, there's a few things you can look for. Um, temper, if they're monitoring you, uh, taking up lots of your time, if they're, you know, wanting to see you all hours, all the time, it, it's another red flag. And another thing is if they tease, bully, and put you down. So these are some things you can look for at the start of a relationship that's going to potentially set the tone for the entire relationship. It's also going to be some indicators of some psychological abuse that could be coming down the line and one thing that I've learned from from working on this series too is that you know we all think of domestic violence as that physical abuse side of things and that that's like the the worst part about it and that is a horrible aspect of it but from what I've heard from the experts that I've talked to it's actually that psychological abuse that's the most difficult for victims to get over just because it takes such a hit on their self-esteem and their self-worth and those are some of the factors that contribute to them staying in a relationship that is so unhealthy. Amber, earlier we played some audio, voice-altered audio of a of an abuse survivor who discussed the fact that her partner at the time would ask her about her makeup and why she was wearing the certain clothes or doing the certain things that she was doing and I, I got to tell you, I got chills listening to that aspect of of her relationship at the time. Mm-hmm. 
that was one of those difficult moments for me too because you can from the outside you can see that that's an that's a that's not a, a normal question to be asking someone and you can see how there's that that jealousy that control creeping up and that's some of the things that you know she can't she can't shake that she said for a while she was just you know <laughs> her even when she was out of the relationship she would be worried about what she was wearing and what she was doing even though she was out of the relationship but that's one of those things that really st- stuck with her and you know those aspects of control like all these little things like taking your time monitoring you seeing oh who are you texting and and asking questions who are you seeing tonight why did you come home a little bit later than you thought you know these things like these things happen in in relationships and it's really sad when uh, when it's when it's impacting somebody like like Jessica the woman I spoke to it's something that she's dealt with she's been out of the relationship for a while and she's just been dealing with this still well, and Amber, you mentioned you talk about the monitoring, and I think it's also important for this conversation because we might be doing things in our relationships that are not even meant to be like they're not abusive in any way. They're just you know you live with somebody and you get kind of annoyed and you monitor them like a, you know how many times you've done this, but it can be perceived by that person as maybe the beginning, like as a red flag. Like, is this the beginning of something I need to to watch out for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that I think even, you know, if you if you're in a relationship with someone who's been in a type of relationship like this in the past, they're going to be more sensitive to these things. Um, I think it's just important for everyone to just try to be a healthy partner. I mean, if, if you are concerned about your partner cheating, I mean, then there's obviously some fundamental trust issues there going on. But, you know, what one of those things that, it, that we've just been learning just is how those psychological control aspects can can play into someone's psychological feelings of themselves. So even if the intention is isn't to be controlling. I think sometimes these these perpetrators of domestic violence don't even perceive themselves as as being that kind of person in the relationship. They think that they're justified in a lot of their actions. So, you know, it's it's a difficult. Um, I guess there's there's some gray area into in seeing um, where that line really is. But definitely, people who are the victims can be extra sensitive to these types of questioning. We played a clip from Willow Place, which is a shelter for uh, women and families who are struggling in abusive situations. And one of the things they talked about is that some people plan for years to get out. Others might do it in a last minute moment because of fear. If there is someone out there listening who's either in this situation or knows of someone who's in this situation, Amber, there's no one clear advice. I can appreciate that. But, but what did the experts tell you in terms of what a good first step might be? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great resources here in the city and, and across the province that people can reach out to. Even going on Willow Place's website, there's an option to hide your history after. So if someone is monitoring your account, you can wash that away. And, and just talking to talking to some experts there's so many free resources just seeing what these first steps are start talking to maybe a you know a friend or something explaining how you're feeling I learned you know some people leave seven to nine times before they permanently leave so if you're thinking of taking some of these first steps you know be patient with yourself and 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 go to somebody you can trust there are these places like Willow Place if you are ready to to fully make that move they're really supportive with people and, and there to help you so Willow Place and clinic also offer some counseling services for free and so there there are places you can turn to if you if you if you are feeling like you have questions if you want to be taking those first steps and and there are some great resources we do again have them listed on our website cjob.com you mentioned oh sorry i just want to say she mentioned the hide option on willow place that would be probably amber if someone's in a situation where their partner is monitoring what they do or checking up on their browser history or all the rest if anyone's listening i just checked with willow place i tried the hide 
this site option and then I check my browser history, you can't find it on there that I searched that shelter, which I think is really important for people to hear because they might have that fear of, right. of their partner checking up on them so closely. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to mention, Amber, you know, that you've put so much energy into this series and it's and it's created a, a variety of conversations for us, not only when you've been so kind to be on the air with, with us, but uh, in other opportunities that we've dis- been discussing the series. And we got one text message from a woman who several decades ago reached out through clinic and she credits clinic with saving her life. And so these stories are resonating with people who have been through this and I wanted to let you know that and we also got uh, a one message uh, from a gentleman who says hey guys go through this too and it is true that men end up in in situations where they are physically abused and emotionally abused and and uh, manipulated etc so uh, we're looking on uh, sourcing out some resources for men who might find themselves in in relationships that they just don't know how to get out of themselves Mm-hmm. There are some, you know, even on our website, a lot of the resources are not gender specific. So if there is, you know, you know, somebody else listening that, that feels they want to reach out, there are options. And even if there's, if they reach out to one of them, I'm sure they can direct them to other other resources. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting just to see how, how widespread this problem is. I've had some messages myself and, you know, I really hope that if anyone is listening and they are feeling like they are in this situation, that they do take those steps themselves to, to get into a healthier situation for themselves. Global's Amber McGookin joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk domestic violence. Amber, thank you for this. Thank you so much, you guys. You can read more at CJOB.com. Well, that's not bad, Forte. Forte's working on his recorder skills. Oh, I'm practicing. Oh, well, look, the... I can talk and play at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> and that is the theme song for The Avengers. Three, two, one. Tonight, we're trying to pull off something damn near impossible. The world has spoken. No fears, no regrets. Part of the journey is the end. Avengers Endgame is a one-of-a-kind cinematic experience. Oh, yeah! The mold has been broken. This is the fight of our lives. Thank God I'm here. Avengers Endgame. So, Jeff, Ron, co-host of The Couch Potatoes, you're going to see this when? Uh, Sunday afternoon. Okay. That's a plan. So I saw it last night, and for Jeff and for anybody else listening right now, I have a review that has no spoilers. I'm not going to talk about any spoilers. Jeff, uh, I went to Entertainment Weekly's website a couple of days ago. Okay. Started to read their yeah, review. Yeah, yeah. And immediately they gave away plot details, which were not huge spoilers in terms of the they do that, overall story. But they just said, uh, they, they, they said, this character is doing this and this character is doing that. And I thought, well, that's just great. That's just great. Because that would have been a huge surprise to see that. But instead they ruined it with... Like uh, three words in a sentence, so that I just turned it off. So I would not suggest reading any reviews like that. And I'll just tell you what I thought of this movie that I've been waiting for for a very long time. I actually, <laughs> I've been sort of joking that if I were to meet an untimely demise in 2019, I would need it to be in mid-June so I could see Game of Thrones <laughs> wrap up. And Avengers Endgame. Uh-oh. And I've completed one leg of that relay. Oh, I feel like you're just, you're almost jinxing yeah. yourself. It would be June and we'll be like, you know what? He went happy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got what I needed. I'm already, I'm already yeah, imagining his headstone. 
And I confessed, I have been watching the sky for Thanos. Like, I feel like <laughs> as though he may appear at any moment now based on the hype around this movie. Yeah, it's going to be a box office record breaker, I'm sure. But, Jeff, I can tell you that as you've been watching all these movies as yep. well, and you're a big, as just as big a fan as I am, I think. And it, it was everything that I was hoping for. There were a, I have a couple of minor quibbles, and that's a me thing. I have a tendency to kind of zero in on one sort of minor detail and then it kind of compounds throughout yeah, the, the movie I and I, that I can't yeah. let go of it so I had some minor quibbles it wasn't perfect I was hoping to be able to hand out the sectional which is Ooh. our highest honor on the couch potatoes it's so rare though almost nothing's perfect when so. have you handed out one I've only done it a few times I, I Wally I gave the sectional Stardust we both did yeah that was a really inventive uh, fantasy movie that came out like 10 years ago uh, Inception I think I gave that the sectional because it just blew my mind. If I were reviewing The Matrix, if I would have would have been reviewing yeah. that when it came out, that would have gotten the sectional. So this isn't getting the sectional. Not quite, huh. not quite. But that's not to say it's bad. It delivers everything you were hoping for if you're a fan of this series, uh, because it's still a Marvel movie, so it's fun. And especially given what happened in the last movie, where the villain won, this is a pretty serious thing what they're trying to do. But they still managed to make it lighthearted. But it also had. Massive emotional payoffs cool. for a variety of characters and some really surprising, like a completely surprising <clears throat> action moments that made people like actually clap and cheer because they were so caught off guard. Like I think there was one moment where I just went, oh my God. <laughs> and, but whereas other <laughs> people were that. just like, yeah, and just jumping up and down. So it's like, a huge Actually thrill. jumping up and down? Did some people get out of their seats? Yeah, a couple of people wow. got out of their seats. That's exciting. Yeah. So I can totally see Jeff just dancing no. in the aisles. He I'll strikes be, I'm me in the a... recliner seat, so there'll be no... <laughs> Jumping jumping left me 10 years ago. They're also. hard to get out of those recliner seats. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. So it's a three-hour movie. Yeah, I was going to ask. It didn't feel too long? No, it didn't feel like a drag. There was one point where I, I was just curious to know, like, how what time is it? Yeah. So I pulled my phone out, and it was 7.46. And I thought, wow, we've already gone through like an hour and a half of this, but we still have an hour and a half left to go. But uh, it never felt like a drag. And I think that's because, like, some scenes went on longer than maybe they needed to, but I think it actually added to the the how heavy this is like this is it this is the the end of this particular saga that's been building now for 22 movies because as we move forward with Marvel we're going to be focusing on different characters like Black Panther and Spider-Man and Captain Marvel but for other characters we might not see them again so yeah it uh, it delivered everything you were hoping for it's there like i said i have a couple of minor quibbles but I had some some gripes with Infinity War but i've watched that movie like 7 times now and i seem to enjoy it more and more Every time. Yeah, the, the, that one, well, that one especially because it's so dense and everyone's in it that I've watched it a few times. I watched it last week and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. So I might actually have to watch it again before I go see the new one just to make sure I'm totally up to speed. Are you going with someone to the no. film? So is that for purpose? Like on purpose you're going by yourself? Are you trying to just... Is this no. just a way to make fun of me in a no, roundabout no, no, way? No, 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 sorry. I just, some, I wanted to bring I would in... have liked to go with a friend, but I uh, couldn't find anyone to go with me, Loren. Thanks for asking. <laughs> That's not why. It's because you said you went with a friend, uh, yeah. and I was curious. I, have, I have a buddy I usually go to these movies with, but he's going with his son. So Okay. Uh, and they invited me to go along, but the timing didn't work. So I just I'm going by myself. was bringing it up because there's this letter that's making a, the rounds of a boyfriend who took his girlfriend to yeah. see it last night. And so she posted this list of rules that he allegedly <laughs> gave her that she had 
to follow during the film. So it was like, quiet. That's the only rule. We will not be queuing to buy popcorn, make prior arrangements. This was in Great Britain, apparently. This is in Great Britain. I will not be moving to allow you to pass for a toilet break. Find an alternate route. (laughs) Don't communicate during the film. One was, in case of an emergency involving our son, I give you full authority to leave and take control. I will join you after the film. Nice. Including end credits. Continue. uh, After the film, we will have a 30-minute debrief session to discuss the events, followed by a period of quiet personal reflection. (laughs) Nice. It is acknowledged that I may not be myself post this film. Please do not be alarmed. Thank you for your cooperation. I look forward to a pleasurable viewing experience. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. It's I, I'm going to assume only partially tongue-in-cheek. I feel like this is a kind of serious list. I feel like I could email that out to multiple people before a big hockey game or mm-hmm. a big bomber game. Yep. I think that would work. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm gonna what do you call it? Bookmark that that, yeah. uh, that website. That is fantastic. But I, 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 I and I would hope it is tongue in cheek somewhat. But at the same time, he's probably trying to just make sure that she understands this How is really serious? important to me, right? And don't ruin it for me. And it, whether you mean to or not, you know. But when he says, "Please don't communicate with me during the film," like. You know, don't distract me. I'm watching it. This is that's why I don't do like. That? That's why I don't like going by myself because inevitably I will have to go to the washroom, and then I'll be like, "Should I just ask this stranger beside me what I missed while I was gone?" <laughs> that's why you need that app. I got that app, and I looked. I found an article too, but. I don't yeah. know if it'll work out the way. I they should have an actual intermission for this film. It should. Oh. There should be like two hours, 40 minutes should be the limit. Anything longer than that. Would you want that? Don't you feel like that would, like the flow? It's like no. a game. It disrupts the momentum of a film. Please do it. Works. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I w- an intermission would be nice. Turns out I actually didn't need to go last hmm. night. I was worried that I wouldn't make it to the end of the three-hour film, but I was able to get through it. But there are some spots where you can go. And uh, for those wondering about the end credits, there's nothing after the credits. And there is some extra stuff during the credits, but it's just like animation and some extra audio. Uh, no real like big story advancements for what's to come. So I will give Avengers Endgame four and a half cu- couch cushions out of five. Boom. It's cool. And uh, I'm anxious to see it again. With each passing moment, I find myself wanting to get back to the theater more and more and see it again. So it's going to be big. I'm curious to see how much money it'll make. And we'll have our full review on the Couch Potatoes this weekend. The podcast will be up later and the show is on tomorrow at noon. I kind of want to go with you to see this like a second time and talk your ear off. <laughs> who's that? Like, I'm gonna, who, is that a bad guy or a good guy? I actually have no idea who's even in this film. Like, what's his name? Like, I was coloring with my kid last night and we were coloring superheroes. It's a superhero book because I'm, I'm just putting my own colors in. He's like, Mom, that is not how you color Captain America. I was like, using green. He's like, he's not the Hulk. And I'm like, I... Whatever. Like. I can just imagine the looks you were getting. <laughs> it is something that we all inevitably deal with, Greg. Yeah, the death of a loved one. It's part of the cycle of life, no matter the age of the departed and depending on the relationship we have with them. Our ability to cope and mourn will change. The mourning process is different for everyone, but does tend to eventually hit the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. That cycle of life doesn't follow a script, and sometimes parents outlive their children. Something most parents only have to imagine, but every day others must live this. And we've seen tragic examples of that just this week. On Sunday, there was that incident at a pool that sent a father and his two sons to hospital. We've since learned that that dad and his youngest have died. The oldest remains in hospital with his mom at his side. And that's prompted many conversations in, in my own life just about trying to imagine how you would cope in that horrible worst case scenario. Mike Goldberg is a community outreach and education coordinator 
Coordinator for Palliative Care Manitoba and joins us now. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. It's such a difficult sus- subject and grieving the loss of a child is a horribly unimaginable experience. How how do we deal with something like this? Yeah, you're you're right. It it is one of those those uh, unimaginable experiences, but but it is something that that we we all have to deal with death in general. Um, but um, but with with the death of a child, it it seems to to go against the the natural order of things, right? And and it's not just the 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 death itself that that parents have to to cope with. It's it's all the other compounding losses, the the losses of of our social relationships, um, the the beginning of questioning our our spirituality. Um, you know the the psychological trauma that that goes along with it. So so how do we cope with it? Um, we we simply have to address it and acknowledge it and and express it in in some way. Mike, I know you work in, in palliative and with Palliative Manitoba and palliative care. For those that don't know, what is it and how does it how does the experience uh, potentially um, how is it different from the sudden loss of a loved one? Right. So, so palliative care, the palliative care philosophy looks to address uh, pain and, and suffering in a very direct way um, and trying to support people in a very uh, holistic and person-centered centered way. Uh, often it's, uh, it's for people who are approaching end of life. They've been given a, a terminal illness, a terminal diagnosis, um, usually about six months to live. And they can be put on the WHA palliative care program, but the palliative care philosophy is a little bit, a little bit different. That is something that any healthcare provider can can achieve with high quality communication, and uh, and that's something that we that we train um, healthcare aides, support workers, um, any kind of uh, any kind of staff at uh, at a healthcare institution how to how to have that that high quality. Uh, communication with people and their families as they're approaching end of life. There, it's about, I think, helping people have some dignity too in their death, Mike. And and I'm curious to know when it comes to just how those healthcare professionals talk to families. Is there a different approach when they're in a palliative situation and they know that that death is coming versus a sudden passing? Yeah, yeah. It, it's something where where you know we'd we'd like to see this. The palliative approach be incorporated into the the regular healthcare system in 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 the future, um, but but in terms of of what it, how it's different right now, it's just simply about having that that compassionate approach, um, you know, providing that listening ear, um, approaching someone from where they're at instead of coming in with with your own personal and cultural biases, um, you know, leaving all that stuff at the door and really getting to know. What's meaningful about about the person? How they how they achieve meaning and purpose in in life? Mike Goldberg, community outreach and education coordinator for Palliative Manitoba, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Mike, thank you for this. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Something called the Winnipeg International Storytelling Festival. Yeah, and this year the theme is storytelling on the path to peace. It's now in its third. 15th year, the festival features regional, national, and international tellers and encompasses a school program and public events. This year, storytelling 
storytelling, pardon me, activities include French storytelling, indigenous, deaf, human rights storytelling, and storytelling and peacemaking work workshops along with puppetry and one of this year's storytellers is Noah Baum and she joins us now. Good morning Noah. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us. Uh, Noah for those that don't know her is an award-winning storyteller and author who presents internationally. She works with diverse audiences ranging from the World Bank and prestigious universities to inner city schools and detention centers and no, that's quite a diverse list of audiences. What sort of stories are you sharing? Are they similar or different? Uh, it depends on the audience. The stories are always different. Uh, I have a pretty wide repertoire. Uh, I grew up in Israel, uh, and I live in the United States. Uh, so I have a repertoire that encompasses my Jewish heritage and a lot of um, world folklore, literary stories, personal stories. I have a one-woman show that is based on my friendship with a Palestinian woman that I met in the United States, and I've been touring that uh, internationally, and that's for adults. So, you know, it's it's a it depends on who the audience is. <laughs> so, and I have a lot of I have a big collection of stories around peace and justice. Uh, it's kind of my my little passion. So from from many cultures all over the world and and also my personal stories. That was going to be my next question based on your background and the the things you were just talking about. Your storytelling has, it sounds to me like it has a real goal when you talk about peacemaking. Uh, Yeah, I share my personal experience of how storytelling can be a powerful tool to create connections and help us come to a softer place where we can open up to become a little more curious, to become a little more understanding towards the other, whether they agree with us or we agree with them or not. And I have experienced it in my own life, and I use it in my work. So uh, it's one of the things I'm going to be doing at a workshop on Monday. I hope uh, all your listeners will show up. Uh, It's going to be at 1 o'clock at the St. Paul College, and... I will be using a model that I developed of using storytelling to connect across differences, to get people to start listening to each other beyond the labels, because we're very quick to um, retreat into our fears and to retreat into the way that we make assumptions and put labels on others. And creating a space, a safe space, where we can actually start listening to the personal experience of another human being is a very, very powerful tool to create bridges for peace. No, are you ever surprised by how people react to your stories when they come talk to you after? Always. <laughs> Always. Um, it's one of the greatest joys and, and the biggest, um, I think, rewards of my work. If somebody comes to me after they've heard me tell a story and they start sharing their own story, then I know I've touched some, someone and that's always a sign of success because you never know when you tell a story to an audience, you never know where it's going to touch people. Everyone hears stories from who they are and where they are. Nobody hears the same story in the same way. So when somebody comes and they share with you how the story touched them and then they share their own story, it's uh, it's one of the biggest joys and rewards of my life. One of my favorite things uh, about working in radio, Noah, is uh, is just the the tidbits of advice that that I've received along the along the way, and we always 
get reminded or it's nice to be reminded often that you want to speak in a tone of voice when possible to that audience of one. And so when you get those responses, whether in our field we'll get a text message or an email or even a phone mm-hmm. call after a show that says something that we discussed touched an individual, but that just that whole idea, it, it is cliche in a lot of senses. People say, if we can just save one life or mm. just touch one person, but, but it's authentic. Uh, pe- pe- we do feel that way about the things that, that we, that we, uh, that we present in that fashion. Yeah. You know, the Jewish tradition has a saying, if you save one soul, it is if you have saved the whole world. And it's very profound because you never know, when you touch one person, you never know how many people that person is going to touch. So uh, I, I, it is a cliche, but it, is, it also represents a very deep, deep truth. So you're here speaking at the Winnipeg International Storytelling Festival, and it's not to be confused with the Writers' Festival. What's the difference between a storyteller and someone who might identify as a writer? Wow, that's a great question. I don't know if we have time for that. There are two completely different mediums. And as someone who is a spoken word artist and a storyteller who also wrote a book, I can tell you it was an agonizing experience. (laughs) Um, uh, A lot of people and a lot of things are called storytelling. Journalists are called storytellers. Movie makers are called storytellers. Writers are called storytellers, and they are, but the storytelling that this international festival represents and the art form that I swim in um, is really the ancient, ancient, basic oral tradition of humankind. It is what we've done since the beginning of time. It's what we've done as humans to create meaning long before we knew how to read or write, long before there was books in the world. And, of course, long before there were movies and, and computers. <laughs> and, um, and, and that is what fascinates me, because some of these ancient stories have survived for hundreds of thousands of years because they speak to such a fundamental human truth of our soul. And they have survived because they can still hold meaning to this very day. And they can offer healing and they can offer wisdom for us. Uh, and there is the whole field of our personal stories, of our personal experiences, they can offer um, a lot of of wisdom and a lot of um, opportunity for empathy and to experience compassion and and to learn from other people's experiences. So I dwell in that world, in the world of the spoken word, which is very, very different from the written word. When I, um, the, the spoken word uses elements that I can't convey completely on the radio, but the spoken language encompasses the voice and, and what you do with the voice and sound. It encompasses what you do with your face and your gesture and your body language and your attitude, your emotional attitude. I can say, um, I love you and my face and my body and my attitude and my voice, they all support the content, the words. I can also say, I love you. And the words are the same. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it with that one at all. (laughs) Yeah. So so the the words are the same. The meaning is completely transformed. And I convey the meaning with my voice, with my facial expression, with my body language, with my emotions. And if I had to write that down, I would need at least three paragraphs. 
But mm-hmm. when I do it in front of an audience, I need nothing except the words and everything that I do with the other elements of spoken language. So there are two completely different art forms, completely different languages. They do complement each other. Uh, I have a lot of writers that come to my workshops because they find that hearing the voice, uttering the words out loud, having another human intelligence listening to them is a wonderful tool to enrich their writing and to open up. You know, sometimes when you're stuck, it's a way to to open up the writing process. So they they complement each other. This uh, writing festival, or pardon me, see, I just did it. The Storytelling (laughs) Festival is a gift of the Morrow Center for Peace and Justice at St. Paul's College. And uh, Noah, is that where we can see you on Monday? Uh, and uh, to, tomorrow night, it's it's a fantastic festival. I can't believe you guys have this resource here that's completely free. You know, every other festival that I perform in, um, there's always a charge. People have to pay tickets. And this festival is offered completely free to the public. And uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night at 7 p.m., uh, there's going to be uh, what we call a storytelling concert. It's like a the culmination of the whole storytelling festival and you can see six different storytellers i'm one of them each performing uh a, a little bit uh it starts at 7 p.m and it's going to be at the at saint paul's college at the university of manitoba and then on monday i'm going to present my workshop that's called beyond labels storytelling to connect across differences and that's going to be at 1 p.m from 1 to 4 30 at room 225 at St. Paul's College, and everything is free and open to the public. And I think it's a, a fantastic way to connect with other people and to also experience some of the rich traditions that you have here. You have some amazing storytellers in Winnipeg, and uh, it's a chance to experience them. Noah Baum is an award-winning storyteller and author who will be part of the Winnipeg International Storytelling Festival Saturday and on Monday at St. Paul's College. Noah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope to see you on Saturday. 847 on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, that is the theme song for Avengers. Of course, Avengers Endgame out in theaters today. I saw it last night. If you missed my review at 737, go to the audio vault at cjob.com. But I am super excited for the fact that this song is going to be performed by the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra in November for something called the Superhero Showdown. It's happening November 8th through 10th at the Centennial Concert Hall. And this is a show that was already on their schedule, but after the Couch Potatoes partnered with a WSO for Star Wars versus Star Trek, they said, you know what? Maybe we you should bring you guys in. You guys are pretty good. I think, that was the re- I think you got a good review. Well, actually, I think we just bullied, you know, because I, I, I'm a little bit taller than J.F. Fenoff, who's our next guest here, the VP of Artistic <laughs> Operations and Community Engagement at the WSO. And I said, listen, J.F., we want in on this, so make it happen. <laughs> Yes. 
<laughs> made me an offer that I couldn't offer you. <laughs> no, I think you guys got a sectional. That's your top award for um, or your top marks for your movie reviews. I think the audience gave them a sectional and really liked them. So you're having them back. That's my. That's how I'm selling it. Well, I like it. And JF, thank you for having us back. And this is really exciting. When I saw that, uh, because when we were there for the show for Star Wars versus Star Trek, you unveiled your schedule. Uh, for the season, and I saw that, and I thought, "Oh man, that looks fun! I'm gonna, I will go to that." But now we get a front row seat. Absolutely. Well, uh, like, like you say, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, and uh, like you say, like the the, the show uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek was uh, was very successful and beyond our expectation. You know, I had this idea that I wanted to have instead of the usual formula where nothing that there's anything wrong with just a conductor announcing every piece. But I felt when we had this show, said we need something different. And then suddenly somebody talked to me about the couch potatoes. <laughs> and I started listening to them, and I'm going – this would be perfect. And, uh, but you never know when you put people in front of the symphony on a couch, you know, what's going to happen. <laughs> and it turned out that the chemistry with the audience was exactly what I was hoping for, where people just relax. And what they brought is uh, a bit of a comedy and really good facts. And it turned out very well. And as you know, we prepare season two years in advance. So by then I had already done this uh, program, this superhero show. And it was so successful that after that, I said, why don't we, we talked with Brett and, and Jeff and said, why don't we just Let's make it work. We talked to the, the, the conductor for this show, which will be Stuart Jaffet, and Stuart was very open to the idea, and there we are. So I have to ask you, JF, it sounds as though that Brett and Jeff, the Couch Potatoes, bring to this show what music does to the movie itself, at just a whole other level. It communicates so many different things on so many emotional levels and, and takes you uh, to a place that, that the script itself can't take you. Yes, uh, and really, like, like I say, you never know. Not that you know, people are very talented, but you never know how things are going to work, especially when you put them in front of a symphony, and they've never been in front of a symphony. And what they brought was exactly the right balance of uh, really information, uh, great information, facts, funny little bits. And what it does, it, it puts the audience at ease, too, because there's always a little barrier we always try to bring. You know, like the symphony is ready for everyone. And by having these two guys sitting on an actual couch there, talking, relaxing, even eating chips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just everybody then suddenly feels that they're in own living room, except that they're, they're a million-dollar concert all. And listening then to a symphony orchestra and listening to these, that, those, that music, that sounds okay in the theater, but really live, when you hear it live, it really is a totally different experience. Does, and it was a perfect blend of the two. Does Brett get the song he... Like, is, did he just dictate that, or was that already on the playlist, so to speak, for the WSO? It's the end game. The Avengers. So, yeah, I mean, it's music from the Avenger. I, I mean, so I, you I have to. You can imagine the copyrights <laughs> to get some of that music is just you have to, you know, you have to be. It's incredibly complex, but there is music from the Avengers and there's music from uh, Spider Man, X Men. At one point, we were thinking about calling the show uh, Marvel versus DC, but then we thought about the possible lawsuits and decided <laughs> to go with the superhero showdown. <laughs> Well, J.F. Enough with the WSO, VP of Artistic Operations and Community Engagement. Thank you for joining us to tell us more about this. Jeff and I are super excited. We can't wait. 
Thank you very much for having me on the show. More information at WSO.ca. I've actually linked the show page to the 680 CJOB Instagram where you can get more details on what will be in the show. It's going to be super fun. When are tickets available? Tickets are available right now. I can't believe there are any available to buy. can't believe they're not sold out. Oh, wait a second. Hang on. Hang on. Does it say individual concert tickets are currently only available to the 2019-2020 season ticket holders? Well, that's if that's the case, you got to get season tickets to get down on this. But we'll get tickets for you at some point down the road. Hal's here! It's just hey. five! Speaking of five, yes. double fives what today! Is, what is 55 in Fahrenheit? I don't even know. Or don't no, worry it's about the other it. way around, I guess. Don't worry about it. It's Doesn't old, matter. I know that. Does not apply. Happy yeah. birthday, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, Brett, as well. Gee, Hall and Oates, happy birthday, Hal. What is this on? Is this Twitter or what is this on? I just, I, 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 some meme I found. I, I, it actually, I like that. It had a little tag at the bottom. I can't remember you what can it click said. click on it. I just, uh, I cropped, I cropped the photo. Oh, you, oh, you, cro- you cropped yeah. it. Yeah, I cropped yeah. it. Daryl Hall and John Oates. Man. Very Hall, nice. Oh, Hall boy. and Oates. Yes, man eater. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what it said. It said, happy birthday, you old man eater. Ah! So I just cut that off. Yes. I'm like, yeah, the, the image is funny enough. Hall right. and Oates. So, Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, yes. Look what I have here, guys. Yesterday on the show, it, a couple, somebody called in and said happy birthday, knew it was my birthday. And then we got talking about discounts because now that I'm 55. Hey, man, I'm, cash I, it I, in. I know for sure I can go to Perkins and get a deal on breakfast, right? Nice. Right so I kind of put it out there. And then people started calling in with all these other discounts that are available to people when they're 55. There's some even younger. Like, for example, I did not stop for a McDonald's coffee this morning, but apparently you're 55. And you get 20% off. Like, my coffee costs have gone way down now. <laughs> oh, but now you're going to have the rest of us being like, Hal, pick us up a coffee this well, morning. Well, right. <laughs> I, I, and somebody said, Shoppers Drug Mart on Thursdays, 20% off. My wife heard that, and she's like, come on, we're going to get makeup, you know? <laughs> For her, for, for you. Her, for her. Well, I probably need it now, too, at 55. But And then somebody sent me this, and if you want a copy of this, I will send you the link. Email me, hal at cjob.com. I have a feeling my email is going to crash. The Canadian Senior Discount Guide. Oh, that it's is fantastic. That's several it is, pages. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and a half pages. Single space pages. I'm, I'm getting him to hand it over because Hal's going to become my work husband. And I'm gonna go, <laughs> we're going to go shopping after work, Hal. It's not just, it's for 50, there's some of the stuff starts don't, earlier. Don't say it. 50, 55, 60, 65. There's, there's all different uh, ages in there and where you go to get the deals and the discounts. At hotels even. I yes. didn't know that. Yep. Hal's oh. cashing in. Oh, Bolt man. Bar Taco Bell. Taco Bell, yeah. where it all, it all comes back right. to Taco Bell. So Hal, there you go. Hal Anderson, happy birthday, Thank man. You, man. Thanks, Thanks for visiting. Hal Anderson Afternoons, 1 to 4 here on 680 CJOB. Dr. Cyrus coming in today? Yes, absolutely. 2.30 to 3. Would yeah. have given you a, a free fried ice cream at Chi-Chi's back in the day, by oh. the way. And a killer birthday song. Ooh, we will wait. try and get that in later. This is Loren's son. <laughs> What did you do? The what did you do with the money for his guitar lessons? <laughs> oh, he's so cute. He's trying so hard there, but it's also that like he's had about six months of lessons, and yeah. it's still the only one oh, that gets played. Get Thank one. you, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
We teed it up a couple of days ago with Lara Ray, the artistic director. The Winnipeg Comedy Festival is on April 28th to May 4th. And on Sunday, April 28th, Comedy Aces at Club Region Event Centre. And it is being hosted by one big daddy, Taz. And he joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Big Daddy Taz, just, good morning just, to you. Just one Big Daddy Taz, there's not two. I think that's just the one Big Daddy Taz. We, we tried to get two or three, but just the one. He's, he's the same as three, squished into one. Awesome. <laughs> You're like a giant Matryoshka doll, Taz. I am. There's I so am many exactly. layers you to you. Me up, there's a whole bunch of different versions of me inside, and then pierogi. So. Oh, so it's like a bonus doll. It's a bonus. Well, I mean, if you open me up, gross, seriously. But, you know. This is metaphorically speaking, of course, Taz. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. metaphorically, this is... Uh, oh, metaphorically. Yes. Okay, well, I'll put, the, I'll, put, I'll put this down then. Write it Go down. Ahead. Write it down. Hey, uh, we were just talking about, Brett mentioned Laura Ray, who joined us earlier this week. We had such a great conversation with her about her personal life and, and this journey that has been the Winnipeg Con- Comedy Festival uh, and the fact that she's now the outgoing um, convener of this outstanding event. Tell us about Lara and, and maybe one thing that people don't know about her and her and her just boundless energy. It seems metaphor. I'm sorry, I'm still writing down metaphorically. What uh, what did you say? No, Lara. Lara is is uh, is is a comedy force. I, I love her to bits, and this is her her last uh, last year as uh, artistic director. So we just all are going to pool together and give her the give her the best send off ever. She is. Uh, been a friend of mine for over 20 years and and a lot of times the voice of reason and a lot of times the voice of silliness with me so it's it's uh, it's uh, it's lovely she's a she's a she's a great friend i've always wondered this is just a kind of a personal question from me but uh, do you still get nervous before you go on stage i'm nervous now i mean this is ridiculous <laughs> of course i do if you if you don't get nervous then uh, you become egotistical when you become egotistical uh, you don't uh, you don't get a good show. The nervous energy is what uh, uh, the nervous energy is in the in the flip floppy tummy is what uh, makes you have a little bit more of an edge, right? Because it's just the fight or flighter or or make them laugh kind of a uh, vibration in your body that just makes you uh, I think a little bit sharper. Have you ever found yourself in years uh, gone by where you, maybe you weren't nervous? You mentioned egotistical. Have you ever found yourself getting to that point? Oh, of course. And then I piled into the ground uh, into the, about 10 minutes into the show and realized, oh, well, guess what? My ego needs to sit over here while I give the audience what they deserve, you know, which isn't always what I want to talk about. The audience is the, uh, the, audience is the director and you uh, yip and yap up there for a little bit. And then when the laughter comes, you go, this is what they want to talk about. And you, uh, you pull from your material and, and away you go. If you go up with your own agenda, uh, often uh, the audience isn't on the same page because they didn't get the script. You were too lazy to write. We were talking earlier about that, that five occupations or five jobs that you've had before in your lifetime earlier this morning. And I know you've seen it on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Five. And we were also kind of tying that all into the idea of if you're happy where you are in your life at this very moment, you have to have gone through all those other experiences. And we know that you deal with anxiety and depression and whatnot. Taz, has that become your friend on stage? Have you, have you tapped into that victory that you you've had and that those victories that you have against your mental unwellness uh do you take those on stage like a badge of honor at times you know what i i step on stage and and i talk about a lot of stuff that scares me um my my uh my gift uh from the world is to be able to step on stage and do what i love which is make people laugh because if you're laughing and i'm laughing and i'm creating the laughter 
I take myself away from my life just as much as I take you away from yours, right? It's about filling our body with endorphins in times of darkness so that the endorphins create uh, an inner inner, light, inner peace. And, and uh, many, many years ago, 20-plus years ago, my, my, my three-year-old son one day said, well, if you laugh about it, it doesn't hurt as much. It was in regards to a, a, something that we were doing. And I just, I just took that to heart, right? My struggles are my struggles, and if other people can and, uh, gain strength from me talking about my failures and my uh, adulations, then, that, then my job is done, you know? I truly think that laughter is the best medicine. It's not a cliche at all. It's the truth for so many of us. Who makes you laugh? Who, who are the people you listen to or the shows you watch that like really gets that good belly laugh from you, besides yourself? Mm-hmm. Mostly, I don't find myself funny. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay to see me. Oh, so, but do, but come see uh, for the other people. Um, you know what? It's not particular, any particular shows. I mean, uh, a lot of things. Modern Family makes me laugh a lot. And, and uh, you know, the comics that are on the stage, not just because I'm working with them this, uh, this weekend, but they make me laugh. So many people make me laugh. And, and it's, it's not just one thing. And little kids, little kids, I, I just love little kids, you know, uh, just their non-filtered blather that just makes me go, okay, well, I wanted to say that, but I can't because I'm 52 and uh, people would, you know, judge me for it. And you just said it so awesome. So I can now say that on stage. But as a comedian, you do get to say things that others don't get to say because we expect comedians to say sometimes outlandish things, right? So that's got to be kind of fun. Well, it used to be, and now people want uh, people get upset if you say outlandish things. Sometimes now it depends on what you mean by outlandish. Uh, if if you mean uh, completely silly and, and off the wall, uh, yes, they expect us to say that, and a lot of people uh, say, <clears throat> you know. Oh, you got to be careful what you say on stage, and you do. You don't want to offend anybody, but if it's in the spirit of good, the word this entire world is for God is the word intent. If I say something that hurts your feelings and I didn't mean to do it, I will say sorry, and if you don't accept that, there's nothing more that I can do. I, I don't mean to ever say anything uh, to offend somebody, but there are people that go to uh, different places just to get offended, and if you do that, please stay home. Colin, uh, was it Colin Ferguson? No, that's a, that's the wrong Ferguson. Who's the uh, Craig, com- Craig Ferguson. Ferguson? Yeah, Colin yeah, Ferguson, awesome. Travel Colin Manitoba. Ferguson, yeah, Colin Ferguson is also an accountant. So if you'd take his advice on comedy, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Craig Ferguson went to see him at the exact venue where you're going to be doing comedy aces at the Club Regent Event Center. And he said, shut off your phones. Close your Twitter account. This is anything that goes on in the room tonight is between you and I. And I don't, if I want to tweet out my material, I'll do that. I don't need you doing that for me. And that was kind of, everybody looked around, looked at him, looked at one another and went, I think that's a fair bargain. What do you feel about that? I, I feel that, uh, you know, I just go see a comedy show to laugh. There shouldn't be, I mean, there's, 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 there's structural rules and stay within what you think is good taste and your followers will come and, uh, see ya, and if if you offend people, they're gonna you know you have to be ready for the backlash in this day and age. When I get on stage, I'm there for the sole purpose to make you laugh and to make myself feel good for making you laugh. And so I don't want to ever have uh, somebody come to me afterwards. Well, you know, you shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I I won't again there, obviously, unless I think that you're completely nuts, and then join my club. <laughs> So Comedy Aces, Club Regent <laughs> Event Center on Sunday. What can people coming to this event expect to enjoy? Uh, 
just disappointment. Like, seriously. <laughs> what do you think they want to expect? They're going to expect to laugh. <laughs> and you know what it is going to be? It's going to be Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge because we're going to make you pee in the middle a little bit. That's what we're going to make you do because we're going to make you laugh and laugh and laugh. Nikki Payne, Johnny Bagpipes, Yumi uh, Nagashima and Eddie King, super hilarious uh comedians all headliners all nationally touring headliners all if you uh the best part about the winnipeg comedy festival and coming to a festival is you see a whole whack of headliners all at once otherwise you don't get to see them because we don't get to work together anymore because we're all headlining different things so this is i'm just so stoked for the show it's going to be awesome and we'll make you laugh to answer your question you you should be uh there and then sit and then laugh and then go home and go Oh, my tummy hurt from, from the laughing, not from wherever you stopped to eat. <laughs> or on the way home. It, it, Taz, um, we were talking, uh, we did an event on Good Friday. We emceed the uh, Winnipeg Nightlife Awards and Lifestyle Awards on Friday night. And it was a day off for us, and but we got to get dressed up and we got to spend so much time with people we'd interviewed over the years and leaders in the business community and people in entertainment. And I likened it to that Christmas dinner or that family obligation where you go on Thursday evening, God, I wish I didn't have to do that tomorrow night. But by the time Saturday morning rolls around, you look back on, you go, boy, I really would have hated to have missed that. And we're such homebodies now. There's so much entertainment at home. Sometimes I feel that when it comes to these live events, we just need to kind of kick our own rear end out of the door and and get ourselves out to these things. And you go, damn, I'm so glad I Mm -hmm. came. I wouldn't want to have missed that. Well, you know, that's exactly it. Watching comedy on TV and, and watching uh, live comedy is com- two completely different things. The vibe, the, the, the laughter, you can hear somebody else laughing next to you. The, the outrageous lady that, that has that really high laugh or the guy that's got that big baritone laugh or whoever snorts. You know, it's just everything just adds to the experience of watching comedy live. That's, that's what you should see. You should see ballet live. You should see play live. You should see... Um, you know, comedy live and experience music live because all that you don't get to hear the vibrations. And I know that might sound a little weird, but it's the vibrations of the room or the clapping or the inclusion. You know, you watch it at home, you're like, oh, that's pretty funny. But I'll guarantee when you watch it live, it's 10 times more funny because you absorb the energy of those around you. Big Daddy Taz, host of Comedy Aces this Sunday at Club Region Event Center. Taz, thank you so much for the visit as always. We appreciate it. Well, you called me, so thanks. Um, I think it's, it's four comedy aces and one joker. I'll let you uh, decide who's who. But come on down, you guys, and uh, you, uh, the four M's, which I like to call mmm, uh, you should come and uh, see the show, too. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.